Welcome to Zion Fellowship's Sermon of the Week. This podcast hosts the weekly Sunday service message from Zion Fellowship, a spirit-led and life-giving local church in Canandaigua, New York, pastored by Kristen Joan Wood. We hope this resource encourages, challenges, and helps you in your journey with God. So whether you're driving, washing dishes, or sitting in your living room, let's prepare our hearts together as we hear the word of the Lord. Why don't you join us uh, in uh, Mark's gospel, the fourth chapter. I want to dive in. Last uh, week, we had quite a service where the presence of the Lord moved in in just a powerful way and uh, just moved upon our hearts, and we just kind of went with it. But this was the message that I wanted to preach last week, and so I'm going to try to preach it again this week. And we're following along in this journey written by Mark uh, as... um, He's talking about the life of Jesus. And remember, all of the Gospels, the Gospels are written to reveal to us the nature of Jesus, who he is, the Son of God. And over and over and over, in particular, Mark writes about Jesus, the Son of God, and how important that is for all of us to see. Now, you might recall that when we began this, uh, we recognized that, well, wait a second, well, Mark wasn't one of the original 12. When did he join the band? That kind of a thing. And, and we've come to realize that Mark, if you, and I, and I laid this out in the early um, studies of, of the Gospel of Mark, Mark is relaying to us a conversation that he had with the Apostle Peter. And so Peter is the one who is relaying to Mark the actual life and experiences of Jesus that he had with him. And so Mark is then translating it uh, to us. And so uh, last time we were together, we saw that there's these massive crowds following Jesus. And yet still in the midst of all of this popularity, people are coming and, and some still have questions about Jesus. They still have doubts about Jesus. In fact, some of them, as we saw last week, or, or last time uh, in Mark chapter 3, that actually some of the religious uh, people, the Pharisees of the time, they're actually attributing the miracles and the deliverances of Jesus uh, through, instead of through the work of the Spirit, they're actually saying he's got a devil. He's full of Beelzebub, the, the Lord of the dung flies. He's, he's just full of of Satan is what they're saying. And, and uh, so that their hearts are so hard that even though we, we see that this massive crowd, all the people need to do is get near Jesus or touch Jesus, and they're getting healed of these, these incredible, not incredible, but devastating diseases just because they're in the presence of Jesus. And those who are filled with uh, demons, uh, Jesus needs, all he needs to do is walk by them and the demons are throwing themselves on the ground and people are getting delivered. And it's that kind of environment where you would think, oh my gosh, who is this guy? And instead the Pharisees are going, he's in league with the demons. And so we see that you can have revival and you can have incredible uh, outpourings of the Spirit and, and you can have the movement of the kingdom of God liberating human hearts and human minds and, and the will of man being overridden by the power of God. And in the midst of all of that outpouring of God's grace and love and mercy, you can still have people giving themselves over to unbelief, hard hearts, or, or even 
shallow responses to Jesus. And so in Mark chapter 4, it begins by saying, and again he began to teach by the sea. Now, Jesus had been teaching at this point primarily to the disciples, but also speaking to the crowds. And you see in verse 1, it says, there was still this great multitude, and they gathered around Jesus. They gathered to him, it says, so that, remember, he got into the boat. Remember how I said in chapter 3 how Jesus was teaching and the crowds were following him and they were so massive that he said to, the, to one of the disciples, hey, just have a dinghy ready just in case the crowd gets too large. I need some place to teach from. And so they still got the dinghy. They're still walking there with the dinghy. It's not some big fishing boat. It's just a little rowboat. And so it says Jesus got into the boat. He finally said, this is incredible. He's being crushed by the crowds. And he gets into the boat. And it says he sat in it. Now, understand that back in, in this time frame, most teachers, when they, when they taught the people of God, they would sit and they would teach. They would either sit in the synagogue or they would sit you know, uh, someplace and just teach the word of God. And so Jesus takes that posture and he sits on a boat or in a boat on the sea. And it says, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. And if you can, I, I'm painting a picture, I hope, for you of what this scene must look like because here's Jesus and he's got this crowd that is just following him. And they're enraptured by who he is. And people are getting healed and delivered and some people are just, just enthralled with Jesus. And other people are questioning who this guy is. And yet they're all in the same vicinity. And Jesus is now sitting by the edge of the sea in a boat. And, and there's, there's well over 10,000 people sitting on the slope of the land like an amphitheater. And they're all listening to him. Put yourself in that crowd just for a moment. I don't know about you, but if, if I was around, uh, you know, and, and watching miracles, and I'm seeing people delivered from the demonic, and I'm hearing contention, but, but realizing that Jesus is even greater than the contention that's coming his way, and he begins to open his mouth and speak, I don't know about you, but man, I would be like all eyes in. Oh my goodness, what's he going to say? What's, what's he got for us, you know? And it says, and he began to teach them. In verse 2 it says, he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, listen, behold. Now this, this, this idea of saying, listen, behold, is he saying to this group of people, if you can imagine, imagine just, I, I mean, just with, with our numbers here today, just the buzz when we're all in here, we're all talking and stuff like this. And so when he says, listen, behold, he says, stop what you're doing right now and pay attention to what I'm about to say to you. He says he's teaching in parables. And this is where, where Jesus begins to teach the people in parables. Now, why would he choose this form of teaching? Why, would he, why wouldn't he just teach it straight out? Why wouldn't he just say, here's, here's how the kingdom works. Here's what you got to give yourself to. Here's how you change your life. No, he begins to teach them in parables. 
Because this is what he understood. He understood that within this crowd, there were some who believed. But within this crowd, there were some who didn't believe. And within this crowd, there were some who had these motives that they were just looking for ways to trap Jesus with the words that he was about to speak. Because of the hardness of their hearts, they were, they were outside of his followers. And so he uses a means to instruct his disciples, and he begins to teach the masses with parables. Now, parables, if you're not familiar with parables, and those of you who are joining us on live stream, if you're not familiar with parables, Jesus used the form of parables to teach and to describe this new life in God that he wanted everybody there to share. He, he wanted everybody to understand and belong to the kingdom of God. And, and so when he taught, he would, he would teach these contrasting ideas. And he would use parables to contrast the old way of living in comparison to the new way that he was calling these people to live. And as he would teach, it would be, be very uh, understandable in the sense of what he was talking about when he would talk about the new life, the, the, what it meant to be born again, what it meant to be a part of the kingdom of God, that, that outwardly that there was not a whole lot to see because everything that Jesus talked about was this inward change. How many of you have come to realize that Jesus is not really interested in your outside as much as he's interested on your inside? And so, so a culture that was given to, to how you looked and, and a culture that was given to status and a culture that was given to, to prominence and all of this, suddenly Jesus is coming in. He's breaking all of those norms by saying, I don't care what your status is and I don't care what your family name is and I don't care how much money you own. The nature of the kingdom is an inward change that is absolutely necessary if you want to enter into the fullness of what I have for you. And so people are like, well, well wait a second. Like, do, does he know who my family is? Do, does he know who I am? And, and I think if you encountered Jesus, he would say, well, do you know who I am? Because if you really knew who I was, you wouldn't be so impressed with yourself. And so he's using parables. Now, the disciples, when they realized this method, and I'm, I'm trying to build something here, so I'm not moving really fast for you this morning. But, but even the disciples, as they're sitting under the teaching of Jesus, even the disciples came to a point where they said to him, why are you speaking to the people in parables? Why are you doing it this way? I want to give you, there's a number of reasons why Jesus used parables and his teaching to explain the kingdom of God and, and to, to open to the, the masses the truth of the kingdom. But I'm just going to mention three very quickly here. The first one was, it was the best way to sow spiritual seed. See, Jesus would teach a parable, and in teaching a parable, he would be sowing the seed of the word of God. Now, how many of you have ever planted a garden? 
Okay, when you sow seed, how many of you like wake up the next day with the anticipation that the fruit is going to be there? I mean, you may want it to be there, but, but you have to put the seed in the ground and the, the, the seed needs to germinate and it needs to be watered and it needs to be fertilized. And it, there's all kinds of dynamics that go into bringing forth the fruit. And by teaching through parable, by, by parables, what Jesus was doing is he was sowing seed into the lives of those who were hearing. And why was he doing it that way? Because primarily... In and you'll discover this when you, you uh, read through all of the Gospels, that this massive crowd that is following Jesus is primarily following him for what they can get and not for what he's trying to give them. See, they're there because of the miracles. They're there because of the deliverances. But you're going to see, if you'll stay with the Gospels long enough, you're going to see that when Jesus starts teaching about the kingdom and he starts using parables and he starts getting to the hearts of men and women who are just following him for what they can get, suddenly they realize that he is putting a demand on their life. And he's going to talk to them about the cost of following him. And he's going to talk to them about what it means to die to yourself. And he's going to talk to them about all of these kingdom concepts. And he's going to use parables to do it. And he's going to sow the seed of the word of the Lord into their lives. Because his expectation was it takes time for seed to grow. Now think about this. Here are the disciples who are with Jesus for well over three years. They're listening to Jesus every day teach and, and talk about the kingdom and, and, and uh, you know, and, and they're seeing the miracles and they're experiencing all of these dynamics uh, in regards to the kingdom of God. And, and if you'll follow the whole story, Jesus is then crucified and he dies and he, he resurrects on the third day and the disciples that have been following Jesus and Jesus has been talking about this and using parables and, and things of that nature to, to get the word word to them in Acts chapter 1 verse 6 when they encounter the resurrected Jesus they still don't get it after all of that and they say to him is it at this time that you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel now follow the teaching he never talked about the restoration of the kingdom of Israel to the disciples never in any he talked about the kingdom of God not the kingdom of Israel and yet in all of it, so here's what I want you to understand. That, that the application for us today is this, and don't, don't miss this. Holy Spirit still has the patience to sow the seed of God's word into your life, knowing that eventually it will bring forth growth and seed and fruitfulness. So if you're following the Lord and you're like, ah, oh, I'm just not where I want to be. It's, I'm just not following. You know, I should be here. Listen, listen. Just let Holy Spirit sow the seed of his word into your life because the word itself has life. And it will cause growth to come. Okay, secondly, the second reason why Jesus taught in parables was to safeguard the secrets of God. Now, I'm going to let you in on a secret. God has secrets. 
Isn't that cool? That God has secrets. But, but listen to Psalm 25. It says, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. And so if your heart is right, and if your heart is pure, and you're allowing the, the presence of God and the power of God and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to find place in your life, here's the promise. The promise is God will begin to reveal to you His secrets. Now, one translation, instead of saying the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. Listen to this one. It says, the friendship of the Lord is with those who fear him. I'm telling you right now, one of the reasons why Jesus taught in parables is because he wanted to draw those who had a pure, humble heart and a desire to know him. He wanted to draw them closer to himself. He wanted them to ask questions because it revealed who they were. It revealed their receptivity. It revealed why they were actually there. And so God wants to reveal secrets to his people. He wants to live in covenant. He wants you and me to, to understand the security that comes when you come into relationship with him. And if you're here this morning, if you're watching on the live stream and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, let me tell you today that there is no better way to live than to live with him. See, a hard, calloused heart, the person who refuses to listen or to receive, that person will be kept in the dark. They'll read the word of God. They'll come upon the mysteries of the kingdom. And they'll just say, well, that doesn't make any sense to me. How many of you remember a time in your life when you opened this book and you would begin to read it and you would say to yourself, what the heck does that mean? How many of you still do that? I do. I mean, and there, there are times where I'll be reading and I've read this book a number of times. And I'll be reading through the Word of God, and I'll just come on something, and I'll just say, what? Are you with me? Have you ever been there? Like, why would you say it that way? I think there's a simpler way to say this, Jesus. I, I just... And then I remember, oh, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. And so you know what I do? I just go, Holy Spirit, you are still sowing seed, aren't you? You are still messing with me. Thank you for messing with me. Thank you for sowing good seed into my heart. Now, would you let me know what that means? Come on. How many of you have that kind of intimacy? See, what, what Jesus is looking for is he's not looking for us just to show up here on Sunday morning, check the box, say, wasn't that good? I'm so glad I saw everybody. And Zion Fellowship is awesome because they give you free coffee and donuts. I mean, they just really help your personal budget, you know? 
Wasn't it, wasn't it good to be there today? And, and I, there's nothing wrong with that, but what I, what, I, what I want you to understand that when Jesus called you to himself, it wasn't because he's into numbers. He's into you. He wants a relationship with you. And so by teaching by way of parables and sharing the secrets of the kingdom of God by way of parables, he drew the people to himself, the ones who really wanted to know. And he's doing it today. And he's still doing it. So allow the Holy Spirit, when you come across something and you're going, huh? What? Why? Come on. Just say, Holy Spirit, thank you that you are so faithful to sow seed into my life. And eventually, if I stick with this, now watch this, if I stick with this and I, 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 I press into the relationship with Jesus and I read and I, I ask the Holy Spirit to explain it and develop it in my life, eventually it's going to bring forth fruit. Don't quit just because it seems a little hard. Give yourself to it. And number, number three, and this is the other reason I think, and there, like I said, there's probably, we could probably pick out 10 reasons why Jesus taught in parables, but this one is important. It highlights the sovereignty of God. Every parable that Jesus teaches, he, he gives us a really accurate picture of God's character, of God's attributes, of God's nature, of who he is and what he's like. And sometimes the, the, the picture is rather scary. And other times it's rather fun. I mean, it's, you know, there's, there's times where the character of God is pictured as, as a father throwing a party for his kids. Another time that same God is angry with those who don't show up. It's this accurate, clear picture of the nature and the character and the attributes of God. So as you, you read and you study the teachings of Jesus and you dig in to the parables, allow the Holy Spirit to just reveal to you God's nature. God's character, his attributes, who he is. Because that's part of intimacy. Intimacy is knowing God for who he really is. Okay? So now let's unpack the parable of the sower a little bit. This is probably one of the more familiar parables. And so I'm going to go uh, rather quickly. And all of you are saying, yeah, right. And, and so he started teaching them in a parable and he said listen a sower went out to sow seed and it happened as he sowed that some fell on the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it and some fell on stony ground where it didn't have much uh, earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth but when the sun was upon it it got scorched 
because it had no root. It withered. And some seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded it, and, so, and it yielded no crop. And, and, but other seed, it fell on good ground and yielded a crop that was 30-fold. For some, it was 60-fold, and, and some 100-fold. And then this is verse 9. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then the rest of that portion is, is Jesus actually explaining to his disciples what that parable means, what he's talking about. Well, those of you who are familiar with the parable will immediately recognize that Jesus is talking about the response of the human heart to the word of God, how the human soul responds to the word of God. And he gives, he says, there's four types of soils. And in so doing, he's trying to draw people in and he's saying, your heart is going to fall in one of these categories. You're here listening to the word of God. And some of you are here or on live stream listening to the word of God. And you're wondering, why don't I get anything out of this? Why, why don't I receive, when, when I hear preaching, now some of it might be that I'm just a bad preacher, but others might realize, no, no, listen to me. Others might need to realize that you're never going to receive, no matter who's up here speaking, because your heart has become so hardened over life's experiences that you don't think God loves you and you don't think God cares about you and you don't think that God even gives a rip about you. And so, yeah, you'll listen, but you're like, I don't get anything out of those messages. I don't get anything out of sermons. And I've listened to thousands of them. What's, what's their problem? Well, their problem is you. You're the problem. And, 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 but I don't, say that, I, I don't say that harshly. I say that in this context. I say this. In, Jesus is saying, there are some of you in the crowd today, in this massive crowd. You're all excited about what you see, the miracles and the, the deliverances. You're all excited. But your hearts are so hard that I'm going to sow the word of God today. And before you know it, the devil's going to come and he's going to snatch it away before it can even take root in your life. Have you ever wondered why people can go to church week after week, year after year, and never have any spiritual growth whatsoever in their lives? And be the same, honorary, <laughs> But here's, here's the tragedy in that. They didn't start out wanting a hard heart. They weren't designed to have a hard heart. What happened was life, and because life has been difficult or people have done things to them, their hearts have become calloused. And Jesus is saying, you're here today and the King of kings and the Lord of lords is teaching you secrets of the kingdom of God and you'll walk away from this experience and there'll be no fruit in you whatsoever. In fact, what you hear will be taken from you. And he says, but there's others here that you're going to get all excited about what you hear. 
You're going to get all excited about the situation. You're going to say, they sang my favorite worship song today. And I'm so excited that they sang that song because that's the song that makes me happy. And I'm so happy that I came to church today because they sang my song. Or they preached this thing or they prayed this prayer. And and boy, that was all for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But he says, you know, what happens is because you're just all wrapped up in an enthusiastic moment, yet there's no depth to your life, you're only being moved emotionally for a moment. It's it's like it's a convenient Christianity for the moment. And he says, as soon as trouble comes, you bail. This is what he's teaching. He's saying, as soon as trouble comes, because there's no depth to you, there's no depth to your character, you're not letting me go deep in your life, therefore you're all excited on the surface, but the minute tribulation comes, the minute difficulty comes, the minute a hardship comes, the minute life doesn't go the way you think it should go, you're ready to bail on Jesus. I had a friend in high school, radically saved. I was still kind of out there. And I realized something has happened to him. Something of enormous measure has happened because he used to be like me. And suddenly he was changed overnight. And he had gone to a gospel meeting and he had heard a message and he had responded to the message and he was super excited about the fact that he could know Jesus. He came from an unchurched family and, and so suddenly now he's in relationship with Jesus and he comes and he talks to me about it. And I said, oh, I, you know, I go to church. It's not all that. He's like, what do you mean it's not all that? It is all that. I said, no, it's not all that. And just because I said it wasn't all that, he said, really, it's not all that? A few of my other friends said, oh, you know, what's your problem, Ring? And get over yourself. And because he was shallow and, and had no depth to hold him, he fell away from the Lord. And I regret that to this day. I've reached out to him since, and we've had some dialogue and, and things of that nature, and, and uh, it's all good now, you know. But, but I realized that all it takes is a little bit of pushback. All it takes, if you're shallow with the Lord, all it takes is a little bit for you to wither under the heat of that. So my exhortation to you is, don't be shallow. Go deep in God. Take what he offers. Because a shallow shallow soul will not endure the heat of the day. And I I just want to, you know, put out a warning here, folks, that life is not going to get easier. There are challenges coming. We need to be ready to stand. He says there's a third type of heart, and that's what I'm going to call the hindered heart. So you have a hard heart, and you have a hollow heart, and 
Now you have a hindered heart. And, and a hindered heart is a heart that is wanting to live in both worlds. It wants to live in this world and in the kingdom. It wants to be excited about what this world has to offer and what the kingdom has to offer. And so you try to juggle both. And the simple fact that Jesus teaches is this. You can't have that kind of a heart and think that the seed of the word will ever survive because what will happen is the cares of this world will just choke out the seed of God's word, right? And so, you know, here's the challenge. He says, you know, it's the cares of the world. It's the deceitfulness of riches. It's the desire for other things. And Jesus is really trying to, to bring home to this group of people who are listening that the kingdom of God cannot or, or will not, I, sh I shouldn't say cannot because it can, but it will not compete with other kingdoms. If you want other kingdoms in your life, this is how it works. That, that, those other kingdoms, those other desires, those other cares will literally choke out the word of God because, because your soul is wanting them more than you're wanting Jesus. And it brings us to the third soil, and he says, this is, this is the soil that you need to have. You need to have a humble heart. You need to have a, a good heart. You need to have a heart that is ready to receive the word of God. Now, this is an interesting thing. If you've ever talked to a farmer, you'll find out that a harvest of sevenfold is a pretty amazing harvest. Ask a farmer. When you plant the seed, what's your anticipation of what you will harvest at the end of this thing? And, and they, they may have some kind of a projection. But if you ever hear, of a, hear a, 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 you know, a, a, a farmer say, I, I'm believing for a sevenfold harvest, they're, they're saying sevenfold what I sowed. I'm expecting a big yield here, okay? So Jesus... And they knew this. The people knew this. So Jesus says, yeah, if you'll let the seed of God's word enter into your heart and you'll stay humble and you'll let God's word train you and equip you and break you and build you and do all the things that the word of God does, if you'll let that happen, you'll begin to experience in your life a harvest that may be 30-fold, may be 60-fold, may be 100-fold. It all has to do with how you work with the word. And so this is how Jesus, in teaching, begins to talk to the people. He sees, see, a humble-hearted people, they hear and they accept, Jesus says, they accept the word of God. And the result of the hearing and the accepting is that they begin to bear fruit. And so here's where I want to leave it with you. What does it mean to be a fruit-bearing disciple. It means to be somebody who lives their life in such a way that Jesus says it in this parable, and you can read it for yourself. He says, your life glorifies the Father. The things that you do glorify the Father. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciple. So how do you do this, Chris? Okay, this is, this is the Chris Wood simplistic approach to the gospel. All right, you ready for it? I hear, 
and I heed. Come on, everybody say that with me. I hear and I heed. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I hear the word and I heed what I hear. Have you ever had the word of God just cut right across your will? Have you ever had that happen? Yeah. How many of you have said, okay, I, I, I yield. I, I, I heed this warning. I heed. Or how many of you say, you know what? I don't think I want to do that today. I'll read this another time. See, one of the keys to living the Christian life is never stop listening to the Lord. This word, this book, it speaks, it sows life into those who will hear it and heed it. And if there ever, was ever a time where the body of Christ needed to not only be hearing the word of God, but heeding the word of God, it's today. It should be always, but I mean, it's really something we need to give ourselves. So, so do we hear and do we heed the word of God? That's my challenge to you this morning as I wrap things up. Because if you're not willing to heed what you hear, you're going to have one of three types of hearts. It's going to either be a hard heart, a hollow heart, or a hindered heart. And you're going to wonder why you're not getting on in this thing called Christianity. And you're going to wonder why am I always falling into temptation? And why am I always stumbling over this issue? And why am I always having a bad attitude over here? And why am I always missing the point over here? And, and it's because at some point in your soul, and Jesus is talking about the soul here. He's saying at some point in your soul, you have determined not to heed what you hear. If you live your life that way, Jesus, and this is a simple parable that he's teaching to the masses because he wants this group of people who have gathered because of the miracles and the, the, the deliverances and all that, he's wanting them to actually go deep and allow the word of God to bring forth fruit. And if he wanted that for them, he wants that for us too. Amen? So the question is, when you read the word of God, are you reading it to heed it. Are you reading it to check the box? Okay, I read my Bible today. I was a good boy. I did it. Pastor, I did. I read my Bible. Woo! I'm going to say, good for you. Did you heed it? I got Bible verses all over my house. That's awesome. Are you heeding the word? Are you heeding what you hear? Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Now, if you're here or if you're, you're listening on the live stream and you've come to realize that, that in the application of this simple parable that I went through very quickly with you, I mean, you go and read this yourself. There's details there that I didn't cover with you today. I just, I just kind of brushed over it with you. But if you realize today that you're here, and your heart has become hard because of what life has done to you. 
and you're thinking like, you know what, I, you know, I didn't sign up for this. How many of you ever said something like that to yourself? Life didn't go your way and you're like, I didn't sign up for this. And that might be an indication that you've allowed an area of your heart to become hard. Or maybe somebody did something to you or they, they betrayed you or they rejected you in some way and, and you're like, you know, I just, I want to get this Christian thing right, but man, I'm just, I'm hurt, I'm bitter. I just, ah, maybe it'll go away. Listen, I, I just want to, I say this in the grace and in the kindness of God. It just, it just won't go away. You got to do something with it. And the best thing you can do with a hard heart is bring it to God. Change my heart, oh God. Make it more like you. You know, when David was discovered as, as having had adultery with Bathsheba, and you read Psalm 51, and when he says, Create in me a clean heart, God. What, he, what, he, what that, in the Hebrew, what that means is, is he's not looking for a renovated heart. He's not, he's not like saying, God, would you just shine my heart up a little bit? You know, I've marred it up through adultery. He's saying, no, God, take what's there and create something completely new. Create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew to me the joy of my salvation. That was David's prayer. You might be here today, and, and maybe that's your prayer. You're saying, God, just create in me a clean heart. Maybe you realize that, that you know, you're here today, or you're listening, and, and, and you realize, you know what, I, I've had the opportunity to go deep with God, but you know what, I've just not been very interested in it. I just, you know, I read the Bible. I like the Bible. I think it's a, a pretty book. I, in fact, I went out and bought a very pretty Bible. And I bought a pretty cover for my Bible, and I don't write in it, and I don't open it a lot, but it's pretty. And every once in a while, you know, I find a verse, and I like it. And then I find a verse that I don't like, and I close it. And <laughs> being funny with you, but how many of you know that you can live in the presence of God and still be shallow in your relationship to him. And God doesn't want that for you. He, he wants you to go deep. He wants to share with you his secrets. He wants to reveal to you the nature of his character. He wants you to understand his attributes and what he feels for you and what he's like. Don't, don't, be satisfied with a shallow heart, a hollow heart. Take the time to allow the Holy Spirit to develop a deep root system in you. Maybe you're here today and, you know, you just, it's, you're so taken up with the world. But you still want to serve God, but, but, the delicacies, if I can put it that way, of the world just still intrigue you. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't have stuff, and I'm not saying you shouldn't have nice stuff. I'm not saying that. But when your stuff has control of your heart, what Jesus is saying is when that stuff controls your heart, I know what won't control your heart, and it's my word. 
So when you're more concerned with the things of this life and the things of this world and, and you're more concerned, and I'm going to say it right now, with your bank accounts and, and all of this, that's where your concern is, then what's going to happen is those things will begin to literally put a chokehold on what I'm trying to grow in your life. And, and the fruit that you're anticipating and the fruit that you're expecting, it just won't come. And it's not because you're not trying. You know, it's, you're trying, but, but you, you're kind of duplistic in your approach to life. You're saying, I don't want that for you either. What, what I want for you is for you to, and for me, to just, just humble your heart before me and receive I love how James says it. He says, receive with gladness the engrafted word of God. Just receive his word. How many of you just say, I just, I want to shift right now. And I just, if, if you, you know, you know where your heart's at. You know where your soul's at. You know, you know what you're chasing after. And, and how many of you want to join me and say, God, I want to, I want the kind of heart where when the seed is sown, it goes deep into me and begins to produce a root system in me that will bring forth fruitfulness in the midst of tribulation, in the midst of trials, in the midst of, of hard seasons. I want to be that disciple that is standing in the grace of God and in the knowledge of God because I understand the secrets of God and I realize what he's doing. If you're there today and you just want to raise your hand and say, God, I want that kind of heart. I want, a, I want a humble heart. I want a, I want a heart that receives the Word of God with gladness and lets it become engrafted in me. Amen. Amen. Lord, would you do that for us today? Holy Spirit, come on, let's just pray together. Holy Spirit, would you come? And, and if, if you realize today that there are things that have been choking out the Word in your life and the things that you've put more emphasis on and, and things of that nature, and listen, the, the idea of repentance is just changing your mind about that and saying, you know what, I've, I really have put a whole lot of, of emphasis on that. I, I came across um, a quote by a fellow by the name of Calvin and he, he said this, he said, the human heart is a seedbed for idols. And some of us have idols today that we just need to let go of. And by an idol, I mean you're, you're putting something, an expectation, a person, a place, a thing. That's become an idol to you and you're putting it even above the Lord. And if that doesn't go right, everything else is going to go wrong. And God's saying, no, listen, you cannot have that kind of an idol before me. It will keep my word from growing and bringing forth the fruit that I so desire for you. So I just, I love that God desires for us to be fruitful. Don't you love that about the Lord? That he desires your life to be fruitful and productive and full and rich. And he says, this is how it starts. And this is what he's saying to this massive crowd of people. He says, it starts with your heart. All the other stuff will come, but it starts with your heart. And if your heart's right, then when you hear my word and you receive my word and you actually heed what I'm saying, 
then they'll come forth fruit. I feel like there's somebody here today where the Lord has given you a warning about something. And you're having difficulty with it because you know to heed that warning is going to require a radical step on your part. And you're not quite sure whether you want to do that or not. It's like, God, really? Listen, if I'm talking to somebody right now and you know that the Lord has brought a warning to you and you're having a difficult time heeding it, let me just say this to you. Just yield to Him and trust Him and watch what God does in that situation. <clears throat> there have been times in our lives, Joan and myself, where the Lord has brought a warning to us and it required a radical step of faith to heed the warning that the Lord brought. So we understand that, what I, at least I do, and I know Joan does too, what I'm saying right now is a hard thing to, to actually heed something that you're like, whoa, that's going to cost me. But I guarantee you, if the Lord is warning you and He's asking you to receive His seed in that way, what He will bring about on the other side is fruitfulness in your life. Don't don't ever doubt him. Don't ever doubt what he wants to do with your life. Amen. So, Father, I ask in the name of Jesus right now, come on, I don't know if you want to join me in this, but I'm saying, Lord, I want a clean, pure heart before you, one that is just free of entanglements uh, in this world, free of shallowness, uh, free of heartache and, and brokenness and things that would make me hard. I just want to be free of all of those things, Lord. So I repent right now, Father, of those things that I've let creep into my life that hinder the growth of your word in my heart. And Lord, I just want, a, I want the kind of heart that you talked about that, that is good and humble and open to receive the word of God. And I want to teach, I want to, I want to allow the Holy Spirit to teach me how to heed your words. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Teach me, teach my brothers and sisters how we can heed your word and bring forth the fruitfulness that you desire in our lives, in our marriages, in our workplaces, in our communities. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. I think Joan wants to sing something.
Blessings to you as you continue in your day.